Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> John Rue, you really think a nigger drummed out of the Calvary with a yellow stripe down his back was practically friends with the President of the United States of America? <laughs> John Ruth, I hate to be the one to break it to you. But ain't nobody in Minnie's haberdashery ever corresponded with Abraham Lincoln. Least of all, that nigga there. <laughs> What's all that horseshit? Of course it was. John Rue? I hurt your feelings. As a matter of fact, you did. I know I'm the only black son bitch you ever conversed with, so I'm going to cut you some slack. But you got no idea what it's like being a black man facing down America. The only time black folks are safe is when white folks is disarmed. And this letter had the desired effect of disarming white folks. Call it what you want. I call it a dirty fucking trick. You want to know why I lie about something like that, white man? to another radio show, a broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind, a journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination, imagination. that's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio, with your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl B. Mind expansion engaged. having guessed, that was a quick, cold opening 
from the forthcoming Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino masterpiece. And additionally, if you haven't guessed it, this is the Midweek in Review, the pre-Christmas Eve edition of Afro Nerd Radio featuring Captain Kirk. The call-in number, always the same, 646-915-9620, Boy, do we have a lot to discuss in 90 minutes. So we will try, why can't I speak? Too much eggnog this early? Uh, we will try our best to really get through the topics. Let's go to a quick Yuletide groove, and then we'll just get into it. This is the mighty fishbone. It's a wonderful life. Let's groove.
from the legendary punk ska band Fishbone, It's a Wonderful Life. This is, and I would agree, it is a wonderful life. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. And about that captain, you needed, I don't know, <laughs> you needed on the show. Let's get to it. of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. I'll be terse here, Afro-Nerd, due to time constraints. The word wigger, I did not make up, all right, or the, or the term, I did not make up, but this acronym, I did. So if you hear anybody using this, please contact the captain because it is theft. Wigger, whining, ignorant, gutless, gormless, existing reality. Let's do it again. Wigger, whining, ignorant, gutless, gormless, existing reality. One more time. Wigger, whining. Ignorant, gutless, gormless, existing reality. The Wigger Western Up. Let's go after on Earth. All right. <laughs> um, folks, again, we're at the uh, penultimate point right before, a slightly penultimate point right before we get into the Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day and then New Year's Eve and then New Year's Day and then it's 2016 and so forth. So there's a lot to really get into. I will say I am looking onward and upward for 2016. Um, but there's a lot to discuss in the here and now. Um, I finally got around to seeing Star Wars, and I, and I spoke to the captain behind the scenes, and we really were not prepared to do a show. Uh, apologies for uh, the preemption on Saturday's show. But, you know, there's still, hey, I'm, I'm just like everyone else. I, I'm subject to dealing with the holidays and, and taking care of some situations and buying gifts and kind of moving around, and then on top of that, and on top of that, I did not see Star Wars at that point, and um, although we, I believe we are well-versed with, with the three of us helming this ship, we'll, we are well-versed in comic book and blurred and nerd lore, I don't know everything, and I can't see everything. The only person that has that ability appears to be the uncanny. The uncanny, the uncanny somehow has the mutant ability to see everything. How does he do it? I'm not asking that question. Anyway, um, so I, I didn't. I, I it appeared that everyone was into the Star Wars thing. I'm on Team Star Star Trek, as as our listening audience knows. So I, I guess I didn't have the vested interest in it uh, until it started really dawning on me that okay, wait a minute. J.J. Abrams is kind of my guy, so he's he's famously helming this picture. Um, so that should have been uh, that should have been of interest to me. Then you have John Boyega, who is a young black Brit, and I have a thing for uh, British folk, and uh, I'm an Anglophile. Shout out to our British listeners. So there was things that, that started dawning on me, and then just the spectacle of it all. But normally I heed the captain's call. 
when he says this is an event, I got to speak as deeply as the captain, but this is an event, yada, 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 he didn't say that. So I was like, eh, I think we kind of dropped the ball on this one. I eventually saw it. We'll talk about that. Uh, I was more intrigued with Hateful Eight. I did see that. Um, That, to me, was perhaps more of my Star Wars, as far as interest level, and Mr. Tarantino, as expected, he rose to the occasion. He he came prepared. This was this was that movie. Maybe as as uh, committed a fan or a supporter. I don't like using the term fan. As as committed as as a, as a supporter as I am of Tarantino's work, maybe I have rose colored glasses for his work. That I suspect some of the, in my opinion, that I suspect some of the Star Wars fan base have toward The Force Awakens. I'm just saying. We'll get to that. Let's get into what we really want to talk about. Mr. Steve Harvey. Cap, I'm going to be fair. For for long-time listeners to the show, Folks are fully fully aware that you know we run our, we we run our own little ship, and we feel very comfortable in our positioning. Well, let me reword that. Obviously, we would we wouldn't want to be at a different place or uh, at, at more recognizability or recognition, I should say. Um, but I guess what irritates me a bit is that I think we're professional. We give our audience something different. If it's not the music, it's the information, it's the deportment, yada, yada, yada. And then there's the minstrels. The minstrels get all of the attention. But to be fair, to be fair, there's a there's a multitude of ways of looking at what happened to Mr. Harvey. And I'm going to be fair about it. But I'm also going to put it through the Afro Nerd Strainer. So take that with what you will. Uh, There's a clip that I want to play that encapsulated a lot of, of my feelings toward the debacle. For those who may not be aware, Mr. Harvey was hosting the Miss Universe contest, the beauty contest, or is it booty or beauty? I get confused. (laughs) Uh, The beauty contest, and he flubbed. He made a mistake. He was human. He misspoke, misread, and he announced, put the crown on Miss Columbia when it was supposed to be Miss Philippines. Being that this is Miss Universe, the world, was literally watching. And now the world has a voice via social media, and it wasn't good. So I'm going to allow Ms. Yvette Carnell, who is with the Boyce Watkins outfit. She's a YouTuber. She's also a web entrepreneur, web entrepreneur, whatever the uh, Franken word is, um, with breaking breaking brown, and 
uh, I like how she positioned what happened. And I, I have to channel a lot of what Ms. Carnell is saying. So without further ado, let's go to Ms. Carnell as she unpacks on the Steve Harvey debacle. Hold on. You you really have to you really have to take a step back after this whole thing of not only not only him I mean because let's let's be honest here if you look at the cue card the cue card said first runner up second runner up winner the uh, no runner up is ever a winner if you are first runner up second runner up you are not the winner runner ups are never winners so <laughs> it's a little iffy in terms of how he messed that up but. You have to ask yourself how easy it is for us to pick people to listen to. They don't have to. They don't have to have. You know, we got we got we got really good black academics out here who are writing stuff who's that's empirical. I mean, right now I'm 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 reading uh, Lester Spence's Knocking the Hustle uh, um, about the the the, the turn. Uh, the the black turn and the p- black politics and the turn towards neoliberalism. We have some good people out here, some good scholars out here who are writing some good things. So I have to wonder about black people who are who are who are taking political advice. I'm not if you want to watch Steve Harvey tell jokes or or if you want to watch Steve Harvey on the on the Family Feud, that's that's pure entertainment. Great, fine. But how is it that this guy who who couldn't get the 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 the, the, the Miss Universe, who couldn't read the Miss Universe cue card? is the person that at the beginning of Obama's term you were listening to for advice that you were listening to for advice on politics how did you do that how did we do that i didn't do it cuz i never listened to him but how did we get there we were listening to these people about stuff that matters about stuff that that is important you know and they have you know and they can't read a cue card he's a comedian that's fine. Comedians may comedians mess up. Academics may mess up, but academics have you know people like me may mess up. I'm I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. We all do. But I'm just saying. Look at God. I mean, can we be can we be a little more selective in terms of who we listen to and who we take advice from on matters that are that are intensely important? For, I don't I don't I don't I don't give relationship advice. Steve Harvey does. What I'm saying, a lot of what, like when you look at the success books that a lot of these people have, it's nothing but warmed up, feel-good stuff about working hard and you can get it. And I have news for you black people. There are a lot of people who worked hard their whole lives, all their lives, and died poor. There are people who were trying to do the right thing in the ghetto and got shot. Um, there are a lot of those people. So this idea that, you know, you can put up a secret board and you can, you can, you can put things that you want on this board and envision this board. And that's the only thing, the only thing standing between you and what you want is a belief and blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's, that's just trash. People are just selling us trash. And then you have Steve Harvey. This is the same guy. I mean, it kind of felt appropriate. The same guy who said, I don't give a damn about slavery. And uh, and, and what else did he say? He said something else. He said, he said, you know, he was in a, oh, doing an interview with Kevin Costner. He said, well, you know, you can you can say racist stuff and not necessarily be a racist. I mean, he's been he's been he's been he's a Christian. He's been very forgiving um, about 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 these sorts of racial things. And he don't really see them as an issue. So I really wonder how Steve Harvey feels right now while he I, about getting dragged by Twitter, by racist Twitter. Uh, he put up a Facebook post of him getting into a private jet. And so to me, that just, that says it all. That's the key to everything. It doesn't matter. 
if you if you have a problem seeing, if you have problems reading, none of this stuff matters. Um, if you if you give bad political advice, because I really don't care that he botched, he he made a mistake on the cue card. My thing is, my thing is, 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 is if if that's what you're doing, if you make a mistake, fine. But what does that say about the kind of mistakes you can make in terms of politics, and you shouldn't be weighing in in that area? But you know, it 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 just it just says so much. You know, and like I said, he put up the picture, he himself getting into a private jet. You know, none of this stuff matters because I got money. You know, I can't I can't make a mistake. I have a private jet. I got more money than you. So it don't matter what I do or how I do it, I'm going to be all right. I got money. I got it. All right. We got it, Ms. Carnell. Again, shout out to Ms. Yvette Carnell from Breaking Brown. And you can also check her out at YouTube via the Boyce, Boyce Watkins, part of Dr. Boyce Watkins' channel. And if you haven't guessed it once again, folks, we're back this is the Midweek in Review with myself and, of course, Captain Kirk. Uh, and don't you forget that call-in number, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. All right, let, let me try to try to be terse with what happened here because there's a lot of different angles you could take with this situation. Um, and I'm going to be absolutely honest. Listen, I, I have a fondness, more than a fondness. I, I love the female form. I'm a, I'm a red-blooded, red-blooded male. Uh, but as time goes on, maybe I am getting older. Maybe <laughs> I'm getting older in the sense that, you know, women have brains too. And they are running for president. A big admirer of Sonia Sotomayor, uh, the Bro- our own, New York's own, Bronx, Bronx's own Sonia Sotomayor, who even though we're of a different political persuasion, she's a sharp Latina who is a Supreme Court justice. Um, and, I, and listen, we can go on and on with our current attorney general and uh, so many, of course, and of course, our FLOTUS, Michelle Obama. So we have accomplished women of varied hues, not even about ethnicity. I'm just talking about women that are doing it. Uh, hell, shout out to Jamie Broadnax. Who, is, who runs Black Girl Nerds. I, you know, we had our issue with Black Panther, and I said, hey, we had our issue, but I can't down the sister. So and I, look how I went from tribalism, in and out of tribalism. That's me. Um, and as much as I love to look at women, and I, that's, that's, the tri- that's the reptile side of me. It's, it's, you know, I joke about it all the time, oiled feet and buttocks and all that stuff, <laughs> and painted toenails, all that, which is real. Um, I re- I respect and would like a woman to 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 be uh, intelligent and not just not just be about the phys- the physical, not only the physical. So, going into the 21st century, and we're still evaluating women in this high-minded, well-orchestrated slut walk. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. And I don't say these people. These women, these young ladies, respectfully, they're not. I'm not going to say that they're literally sluts, but if you're being judged, I mean, I, I took a good look for the first time beyond beyond the the, the masculine gaze and looked at a picture of a beautiful woman. I said, "This woman is half naked." I didn't look at it that way. Before, 
didn't look at it that way. Something happened. I, I, my eyes always said, how, we have people, women running for president, and we're still evaluating your beauty. Now, some could say, I've been hearing folks talk about, what about Mr. America and bodybuilding? Uh, I'm in the gym. The captain's in the gym more than I am. I need, I need to be more, more in the gym. That's going to be rectified at the top of the year. I hate to say that, but it's, it's going to go down that way. But th- there's a process to, to, the, to Mr. America and to the, the, the female version of that. It's a sport. You have to put in the time. You have to work your ass off, literally, to, to be judged. There is some kind of physical component and payoff for that, if you want to be very technical. But for the beauty contest, you just have to show up. And to, so for this man to be critiqued as if he, was, he were crowning uh, the Queen of England, problematic. And then we, we, you know, when the mistake was made, from my understanding, some of the Colombian folk who were on Twitter who are, many of them are probably of, or, or a great deal of them are prob- probably of part African ancestry. We know about the, the murky, it, murky slash not so mur- murky uh, racial uh, history or lineage of the South, Central and South American countries. But for them to weigh in on Harvey and call him the N-word, and referred to him as a simian, as a monkey, because of a mistake, because of a show that, for all intents and purposes, is of the same weight as the AVN Awards. Adult, adult, uh, what is it? What is the AVN? Uh, adult Awards or whatever. Uh, what, Adult Video Awards? Porn Awards. It's it's a glossier version of that. Um, that's a problem. But for for on on the side of Steve Harvey, I have to weigh in with what Ms. Carnell said that we do have a minstrel, in my estimation, and I've critiqued him before. Adult Video News Awards. Thank you, sir. Oh, yeah, of course, sir. You know this. <laughs> I just know the acronym for all, all these years, AVN, Adult Video News Awards. Thank you. Such a prestigious outfit, Sergio. Um, you know, that, that, I mean, what are we, what are we doing? But this, this person, Mr. Harvey, was, after the mistake, was grilled. And I, one of the gentlemen, the reporters, has said, well, do you, are you aware that the Colombian people – don't like you, that they don't like you. I'm like, it's, what are we talking about? So I guess it opens up the doors, Captain, and I want you to give, you, give us your opinion on this, but it opens, it opens up the doors to how you are perceived internationally. And listen, our, our president, I, I recollect seeing something recently uh, in the Soviet Union or Ukraine, one of the, one of the, and we have Ukraine, Ukrainian listeners, which is pretty cool, uh, and um, one of the Soviet bloc nations, there was an agreement to remove some periodical. I think it might have been a calendar or something. This was normalized now, ladies and gentlemen, a normalized thing where you just you just happen to go to a grocery store 
and you can go online and see this, there's some kind of calendar, some kind of periodical that has the president's face superimposed over a monkey's body. This is the president of the United States who happens to be of African extraction. And the president is not even respected enough. And, I mean, to see how we're viewed internationally and how how this contest, which is a well-orchestrated, and I say this as respectfully as I can, but on the it's, it's a service-level event on, on, on objectifying women, essentially for how they look, in an era where women are astrophysicists, doctors, lawyers, businesswomen, potential presidents. There's, there's a problem. And I'm saying this as a guy that loves to look at women all day, every day. But even at some point, my logic comes in and says, hey, you know, come on, are we going to really call this man a monkey because he flubbed over a superficial slut walk contest to begin with? Anyway, Captain, what are your thoughts? I'm curious. Well, fairness is the illusion of the weak to protect you from the strong to no avail. When you have power, you do what you want. I never fight fair. I'm the type of individual that brings a nuclear weapon to a knife fight. That's just how I get down because there's no such thing as fairness. That's number one. Number two, Steve Harvey stuff. Let's, let's pull out self-importance out of this. I think when the woman was talking about from um, – what was that, Dr. Boyce Watkins outfit? She did a pretty good job there. That was, that was very good what she did, all right, the way she balanced it and everything else. Let's pull out self-importance, and let's pull out the emotionalism and everything else. At the end of the day, he made a mistake, all right? And let's, now let's insert certain people. Let's put in President Obama. Let's say if he did the same thing, it would have been worse, the outpouring, all right? Let's put in Neil deGrasse Tyson. They would have said, this super learned, learned black made this mistake. What school did he go to? Where did he this? What did he that? How did someone such as, such, who's so intelligent, who's well-schooled like this, make that type of mistake? It would have been worse because he's super educated. This is how the world perceives these situations. Why do they perceive it this way? It's not just being racist. It's the self-importance of these individuals. Now, going further with it, if it had been a white male who's not of Latin descent. Remember, it's an ethnicity, all right? They like to think that they're a race, but not according to what it, what it says. It says an ethnicity. So if it would have been a white male that made the same mistake, degreed or not degreed, all right, super genius or not super genius, they would have turned around and said, this gringo disrespected us Colombian people, yada, 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 yada. Now that being said, what happened here? Someone made a mistake on a big stage, and then everyone interjected their self-importance via social media, and 99.9% of social media should not be giving, the people that's on there should not be giving their opinions. It's not a medium for that, but that's what people like to do, and that's why so many people get in trouble with social media. It's not that type of medium. I explained social media before from a scientific perspective, not using my material, scapegoated myself, you know, before. So that's what you have going on here. That's the reality of the situation. That's just what it is. Anybody on that stage who made that mistake, probably unless maybe if it was a Colombian person reading those cards, they still would have been backlash, but not as much. All right? Anybody else, 
same type of backlash, if not worse. Okay, given that situation, it's a big stage. You make a make a mistake. That's what happens. All right, Steve Harvey, just deal with it. I don't like Steve Harvey, but that's just the reality of it. I don't care for the person. That's the time timeline we live in, going into 2016. Deal with it. Shake it off. Boom. Keep doing what you're doing. That's it. Back over to you, Afrilert. Quickly, then we'll tighten it up, and then we'll go to another group, and then we'll go into, go into other matters. You know, I got I was into um, as as usual. I have exchanges on on Twitter, and in the exchange, you know, you have your defenders of Steve Harvey, and, and some folks aren't kind when I refer to Steve Harvey as a minstrel, and they will bring out his resume, and you know. Uh, I will break down what that resume, resume is all about because another factor in this, this is a little bit of a Floyd Mayweather situation also, Captain, where he, he I'll give him this, he didn't try to sugarcoat this. He corrected it because this could have been corrected the next day. Um, he corrected it a few moments later. It, you know, it, it was a little hairy, I guess, or embarrassing for the woman to be so excited and to go full body karate. That is the... Miss Columbia contestant, and then for that crown to be removed on air from her head to be given to Miss Philippines. But when he tweeted this out, there were misspellings, and then he had to remove it. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm chiming in with what Ms. Carnell was talking about, is that it's the fact that we have – see, I'm going to focus as, 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 you know, what we do on the show, which some folks may not like. I focus on the internal in our own communities plural, that it's the fact that we take Mr. Harvey seriously, that he has this resume that we, we liken to someone who has letters or, or who is quite learned, and he appears to be neither. We take his advice, or many of us, being tribal again, let's be more specific, many of us take his advice. Someone who's been married multiple times, now he's a a love expert. He's a relationship expert. Uh, he said some untoward things about um, about religion. Even although he is very much a Christian, you can't be in his presence and be agnostic or an atheist because, according to him, he can have a conversation with you because where's your moral fiber? Where's your moral compass? Not knowing that hell, there's a lot of things that you can you can kill yourself to that will provide you. A compass. We do have moral codes. Uh, it's just not based on on his where he gets his moral code from. Um, that's problematic. And then thinking like a man for women. That whole franchise. Many empowered women may feel that. Well, why do they have to think like a woman, like a man, to be? Um, in the company of men, or to gain favor with men, do you, do you have to think like a man? I mean, there's a lot of things that he has been critiqued for that some folks may not like. Uh, even with the Paula Dean thing, I mean, I can go down the line where he, he, some they see him as a, an apologist. So I went into I went into my whole minstrel rant, and uh, what I was told was, well, if, if by that standard, all these black comedians are minstrels, and I said no. That's not correct either because I don't believe in everything being absolute. Nothing is absolute. I wouldn't classify Chris Rock as a minstrel because he provides political and social commentary. 
is a little bit little bit more depth with him, opposed to being an outright minstrel who who you know, again, Harvey has all these different outlets where information or attention is disseminated. I I can't say information. Or maybe misinformation is, is disseminated. But he has this power to dissem to to he's in a situation where he could really be doing a service to the black community. And I listen to the Steve Harvey show somewhat frequently, begrudgingly, because there's really not that much else going on and it takes the black community for granted and it's a disservice when we you know, I I'm I'm all about the funny. Um we can talk about how visceral Howard Stern is and his his own <laughs> that he has, but he has writers. Where are the writers for Steve Harvey? You know, where's the professionalism? I don't know. Just a matter of just an opinion, but I don't want to necessarily knock the guy when he's down because a mistake is a mistake. But there's a, there's a lot of different components going on with this with this issue, and it's not about beating him up and liking liking him to be seen in a negative light. I, I'm actually um, protective in the sense that why is, why is he a monkey for for hosting a slut walk anyway? And I again, not that they're literal sluts, but it can give off that air because it's su- it's such a testament to superficiality to the calls. I think I know who this is. Uh, we got to keep this quick, and then we will move along. Uh, Mr. Mims, is that you? Yes, it is. Yes. Um, Welcome, as always. You know, it's it's always um, curious to me. I wonder who are the powers that be who decided Steve Harvey would be the guy. Um, a guy who's a relationship expert, even though he's on his third marriage, and both his previous ex-wives have gone on record talking about what a lousy guy he was and all the things he did. Yet, are black women so desperate they look to him for advice? Um, they bring him on to the um, Miss Universe show because they figure he's going to bring in ratings. Um, and look what happened. You know, he was totally unprepared for that. And it, he only had really one job to do, was just, you know, <laughs> announce the winner. That's all he really got to do. <laughs> he couldn't do that. It kind of reminds me of... Um, What's that woman on MSNBC? Um, Marissa Harris Perry, mm-hmm. who is like, what? How did she? How did they decide she's the one who's going to be the black intellectual of the show, of the network? Because you know, considering what she's said and what she had said in the past, and just recently in regards to Star Wars, I was like, seriously, is she supposed to be really serious? Or is this some sort of strange um, performance art piece? You know, she's really just an actress uh, doing the performance art. Because who decided she was the one when there's so many other people who could have done a job quite well? Well, you know, sir, just the issue I, I have, and I talk about this a lot on the show and the captain as well, is that really sharp people and then underneath that really sharp black people are not necessarily desirable or well-liked. I'll even put my, interject myself in that. <laughs> I'm not going to have too much hubris on this one. I, don't, I, I think people who really know their stuff 
can, can deconstruct arguments and really give you information. On some level, they are not liked. And it goes to show you just how controlled a community, the black community, is. We are so controlled, our imagery is so controlled, and who made Reverend Sharpton the guy? Reverend Sharpton is a media creation. Who does he really represent? But somehow, and disturbingly so, these are questions that people really, and this is not so much about uh, against um, Reverend Sharpton personally, but it's just his positioning. There's certain folks, DeRay Mekison is on the rise now. Who chose that guy? You know, Adam Clayton Powell Jr. was my guy, and guess what? He wasn't really liked. And Harlem he was mm-hmm. liked, but on a scale of power, wasn't liked. Dr. King wasn't liked. Malcolm X wasn't liked. But all these Marcus other Garvey folks wasn't liked. Wasn't liked. James Baldwin, rough dude. Baldwin's, check out Baldwin's nigger on YouTube. Or any of the other, or his his famous uh, William Buckley debate at at um, Oxford. Oxford, at Oxford. Check that out. Now, uh, Buckley is an intel- was an intellect. I'll give him that on the conservative side. But James Baldwin ran circles around him. Your sharp people are not well liked, black or white, but especially black. Don't have a good tan. And be sharp. You're not going to be light. Folks don't like Afro nerd. I'm talking about not just as my personality, but when I first started this website, oh, it was hellish. It was hellish. It's cooled down a little bit, but in the beginning, it might be one of the reasons why we're not on Sirius, because it would be a rough road. There'd be a lot of hurt feelings and bodies strewn all over that studio. So. You know, but Harvey's the guy, and we we like what he says. Many of us, he he has. I had folks uh, on Twitter, Sergio, that proceeded to tell me, give me, proceeded to tell me his resume. He he has a media operation. He has Family Feud. You know, I know I'm very I'm very familiar with his success. But I told in response, hey, all you're telling me is that he's a success a successful minstrel. Well, the question you should, well, the question you should ask them is that is he signing their checks? You know, that's true too. That's fine, right? You know, you can praise this guy and praise this guy and say he's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, but is he paying you? Are you on his payroll? Then what does it matter? What's the point? It's like people who still defend uh, R. Kelly. You know, they're trying to put a good black man down. What is he paying you for this? Um, so that's that's where I come from. Until you start paying my checks, I can say anything I want to say about anybody. Serge, I want you to hold on for a moment because I tell you what, um, you you did see Hateful Eight, correct? Yeah, yes, I did, of course. Okay, okay. I saw Hateful Eight, and I saw I guess we got around to seeing Star Wars. I want to I want to hold keep you on hold for a moment. I want to go to a quick groove. And I want to turn things around. I, I, I've had enough with uh, Steve Harvey. <laughs> I would just say that I, I will say I thought he was treated reprehensibly. The mistake is one issue, but calling a man a monkey from the Colombians. Yeah, but that was going to happen. That was going to happen thing. anyway. That was going to happen anyway. And and you know they've already said that they want him back next year. 
the interesting part also. I don't know how to take that. Well, you know, hey, it, it, everyone has – we're going to see. Will he do it again? <laughs> well, no, A, he would. I don't know why he wouldn't. Uh, two, no, they're doing the it because – I'm talking about well, the mistake. No, two, what will he do? That, that's two, why people are going to see, see what, what will he do next time. Well, yeah, that's one. Number two is that this is the first time people talk about Miss Universe in years. Uh, three is that, right, it's a ratings ploy. People will come back to see is he gonna, what he's going to do wrong this time. And also, the because um, I said jokingly after it happened, they'll never pick, they'll never pick another black guy again. And uh, I think they want to show that, yes, of course we would. <laughs> he just picked the same black guy. <laughs> I, I just think that it, it is. It still is very um, unsettling that folks jump to your race right away, which means which oh come on, you know that's going to happen. Him. You know that's going to happen. Should, we, well, but we should be awake. Well, we're in the 21st century. You know, we're sending people that to matter. Mars. Doesn't matter. You know, or, or you know, it's just we're, like, we're going it's to just Mars, like, and we're still calling people you know, niggers. No, it's just like, you know, that incident in uh, uh, Las Vegas, that w- woman who ran over all those people. And yeah, wow. when it came out that, uh, you know, she was a black woman, I said, boy, I can see it coming. And I've seen it, and I saw it. I mean, you should see some of the comments about her. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's going to happen. That is just simply going to happen. Despite yeah, but, this is the twenty first century. Uh, but, but 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 listen, look look at the breath. I mean, either you flub, no matter what happens, you're going to be a nigger. <laughs> of course. Get it. What did Malcolm X say? What did he call? What did he call a black man with a PhD? Uh, well, yeah, I know the joke. But whether you receive, well, yes, whether you receive a doctorate or you flub on a slut walk contest, I hate to keep on barreling that down, but that's that's what it really. It, it's a superficial way to look at women again in the twenty first century. It's not the crowning of uh, of a statesman or a statesperson. Anyway, Serge, hold on. We're going to go to a quick groove. Let's, when we get back, let's talk about some movies. Folks, this is the Midweek in Review edition of AfroNerd featuring Captain Kirk, the pre-Xmas Day edition of the show. Uh, we will be back Saturday, I think. Uh, but let's go to a quick groove. We've played this before. I really love this song. I'm, I'm hearing it actually making the rounds, as it should. This is the legendary Sharon Jones of the Dap Kings. Ain't no chimneys in the projects. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
We're back. Sharon Jones of the Dat Kings. Ain't no chimneys in the projects. This is the midweek review edition of AfroNerd featuring Captain Kirk. We have we have Sergio Mims from Shadow and Act on on hold as well. Uh, definitely check out as always his excellent website Shadow and Act, courtesy of IndieWire. Uh, definitely in a place by itself. It stands alone, uh, not to be confused with the minstrel headquarters known as Media Takeout or it's uh, <laughs> the second in command post. Uh, World Star Hip Hop, none of those places, or even Bossip, n- not even in the, in the same universe. So, um, call the number to join in six four six nine one five nine six two zero six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. Enough with Mr. Steve Harvey. Uh, wishing him the best of sorts. Uh, I would never, you know, wish harm on anyone, but and I actually I'm protective of the fact that the man was called a simian. Um, anyway. We have movies out. This is Oscar season forthcoming, and there's a lot of screeners floating around. Uh, the captain told me behind the scenes that you must see Concussion, which I will try my best. That's the Will Smith film about the uh, NFL doctor that was uh, came forward a few years ago with these concussion head injuries and how these players are, are being uh, living debilitated lives from playing the sport. So uh, I think that's there's Oscar talk with, with – and oh, he's definitely gunning. He's been gunning for one for quite some time, so that, that, that'll be interesting. But I can speak more specifically about what I've seen recently. I did get a chance to see Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and uh, I'm a big Quentin Tarantino supporter, and I did see Hateful Eight, which is coming up, um, I guess, in a few days. Anyway, um, Hateful Eight may, may be my Star Wars. Uh, I've said on on a number of occasions that I'm really more of a Star Trek guy, and I think it's because I, I perceive Star Trek as being a bit more cerebral. At least at least what I've seen on TV, and maybe up until, dare I say, J.J. Abrams' involvement in it, and I think the gentleman uh, that, that's, that's telling it now is from the Fast and Furious franchise. So we can only speculate what that's going to do for the Star Trek franchise. But for the most part, for the most part, Star Trek has always been put put out there as really more of a cerebral show. It was on for three seasons in the 60s. And, uh, you know, listen, both properties, respectfully, have had their uh, a, a mighty, a mighty effect on international pop culture. I'm just more Star Trek because of the personalities, the fact that it, it's really more about a a possible future, and we see that the the the, the, the cultural impact is actually has actually can be can be almost quantifiable with what's happened with NASA. Many of the NASA, NASA scientists, as children, looked at this show and some of the inventions that we take for granted today. You could see the lineage is coming from that. That that TV show, I can't make the same claim for Star Wars. Star Wars is to me, I don't think it's to me. I think it's it's pretty pretty well known. It's more of a space opera, and actually, I would say I I think for me that Guardians of the Galaxy I found more engaging and more interesting as a space opera than Star Wars. Um, I'm going to open up the lines. I'm going to, well, you know what? I want the captain, and I'll bring in Sergio, because uh, we're just going to 
we got about 30-something minutes remaining, so there's going to be a lot of discourse on this thing. Cap, uh, give me your impressions on Star Wars, and then we can also mix it up with eight, Hateful Eight, however you want to tackle it. But what are your impressions okay. about Star Wars? I mean, $600 million plus in a few days is tracking to be potentially more successful than Avatar, and Avatar is is a, little, a bit short of $3 billion. So if Star Wars is tracking that way, it's not to be discounted. Anyway, Cap, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'll talk about Hateful Eight first. Hateful Eight, totally racist. It's totally racist. Totally sexist. If you're a liberal, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem. Understand? Anti-white man also at the same time. That being said, Hateful Eight was well written and it's actually rather funny. I thought it was a good job. I thought it was a good job. But a lot of people, their butt is going to hurt. Black people, your butt is going to hurt. Everything offends you. So that's, that's going to hurt. Women, forget about it. Forget about it. Oh, I loved it. I loved that fact. All right? People are going to say sexist. Your butt is going to hurt. White men, anti-white men, all right? Your butt is going to hurt. You know, that's, that's vintage Quentin Tarantino. He just goes all around and just says, I'm going to just tighten up everybody. You know, there you go. So I, I enjoyed it. thought it was good. I won't delve into it. I'll let you people watch it. I won't spend too much time on it. Now, let's talk about Star Wars. J.J. Abrams. As far as I'm concerned, Mr. J.J. Abrams is the guy you bring in to do a nice, glossy, super hyped-up average project. All right? It's going to make a lot of money, a lot of whistles and bells, but what would you really get? looks glossy. It looks nice. There you go. All right, Star Trek movies, I felt the same way. Nothing special. Those early Star Trek movies, excellent due to the cast. 1966 original TV series, and then also the reboot with uh, James Way and Picard. Those were excellent. Didn't like Deep Space Nine, though. Didn't like Deep Space Nine. But back in the Star Wars, I thought Star Wars was intrinsically the first movie redone with the woman, she has the force, and the black guy, John Boyega. Now, there's a, couple, there's a scene in there, you have a double entendre scene, where you have Ray and Finn, you have John Boyega, and you have the main female protagonist, all right, which is Ray, and they're standing up, and she's towering over him. She's on a, like a little platform. Now, that's, of course, done to show that she has the force, all right, and also... The double entendre aspect is the black being subservient to the white and also being subservient to the white woman. You understand? Some people might not get that, but that's a double entendre right there. It can be understood from that perspective. But one point you definitely do know with the force, she has the force, and he's just more or less a regular guy or low-level force. And the other aspect. So I just thought the movie was okay. I didn't think anything special about it. I thought the earlier movies were a lot better. They've had, earlier movies had epic music. That's a necessary factor. That's something also I thought Creed was missing, that movie Creed, which was very good. But it didn't have the epic music from the other, you know, Rocky movies. You didn't have the epic music here. You didn't have it. All right? So that took away from the film also. But it's going to make a lot of money. You sit down, you watch it, you leave the movie theater, you say, yeah, this was cool. 
That's it. No big deal. You know, cultural phenomenon. You have to be part of it. No big deal. What's the big deal? The other movies were bigger. I think they were better done. And I'll say this to all you Trekkies and also all you Star Wars fans, all right? Lord of the Rings actually was written a lot better than both those movies. If you don't like that, too bad. Go screw yourself, <laughs> all right? That's just what it is. That's how I feel about it, all right? J.J. Abrams. And there's also talk about crossing universes after Star Wars 9, but we'll see if that happens. That might be the wise thing to do, all right? And I think the next Star Wars is going to be better than this one. And I thought the ending in this Star Wars was also horrible. That was a horrible ending. Horrible. But it sets up the next film really big. That's about it. Back over to you, Affleck. Yeah, before I bring in, uh, bring back Sergio, uh, just just quickly, and then we'll just mix it up and kind of have a free-for-all. Um, you know, again, I'm not a Star Wars guy. I remember as a kid, I was into the Star Wars thing. But as an adult, when it came around to the prequels, the prequels put a nasty taste in my mouth. Cause I, I remember the actual excitement. I actually was excited about Phantom Menace, the actual prospect of the return of the Star Wars mythology. But when I actually sat in the theater and fell asleep, I went, I went to the 12 o'clock showing. Now, the, the captain knows he's very rarely heard me talk about going to a 12 o'clock showing, which I would do for a Marvel film, but I haven't do, done that as of late. But I would, but I have not done that in a long time. The last time I went to a 12 o'clock showing, believe it or not, was for a Star Wars film. But I fell asleep because Phantom Menace sucked. And it kept on sucking with great enthusiasm for the, for the other films. You know, with all the changes, even in, in, in a DVD format that Mr. Lucas has done, you, know, you, you wouldn't want to see changes to The Wizard of Oz. We understand that there's some fine-tuning because of technology, but you wouldn't necessarily put changes that could be detrimental to the historical aspect of the film. Star Wars, especially Star Wars unto itself, but let's say you, you, you include episodes four, five, and six as that first trilogy. It's really a part of cinematic history. You really do not mess around with that. I wouldn't mess around with Metropolis. Which, which, which uh, you can see, for those, it's a silent film from the late 20s. Metropolis, you can certainly see the, the bones of Star Wars lie in Metropolis. And there's been some, some changes, but not enough to deter from the, from the historical elements of the film. And I thought that George Lucas actually did that. And he's kind of sort of raised the ire of some of the fan base with the prequels and with some of the... The, 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 the tweaking of the film negatively, messing around with the history, that, that was, was a problem for me. But something happened with the prequels that snapped the switch off in me that kind of, I just didn't, I kind of lost it. So I didn't necessarily have the fervor toward the film until really late. Uh, Twitter responses, emails, you guys got to talk about it, you got to talk about it. And uh, normally with things, you know, we make, them, we make these properties, you know, we are blurs. we make these properties uh, events, and somehow I didn't have the feeling for Star Wars. So anyway, when I finally got around to seeing Star Wars, I like, obviously I'm a big supporter of Boyega from Attack the Block, and I like to see, see the young man 
of, of black, uh, British Nigerian descent do his thing. So I, I support his positioning in this, this monster. But I, in looking at it, I felt that it really totally and, and just the vibe was no, it was no different from 4, 5, and 6. It, it just maybe it's not supposed to be, but it, we are talking about a franchise that's really literally 40 years later. Um, so I would have liked to have seen more radical, some radical change, forty years down the line, and it just felt to it felt a little too familiar and too much of of a reunion show. Um, some of the implications that the captain touched on, and I have a I have a thing when it comes to black masculinity on screen. And how a black man, or, listen, there's different, different, you know, listen, there's different types of black masculinity. We always emphasize uh, there not being a monolith. But I'll say, from my perspective, if there's a quasi-attractive femme fatale in a in a property, and God forbid she's of a different, an alternate ethnicity. Well, I can't. I don't even not be so polite. If she's white, because if it's a Latina or an Asian woman. Somehow, the powers that be can absorb that. It's not a big deal. When it's a white female lead and a black male, we create tension. Or rather, we, 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 by not exploring the tension, there's tension, if that makes any sense. He should have put his tongue down that woman's throat. I didn't see that. That made me uncomfortable. I didn't like that. You know, if there's going to be something, let's, let's get this going. This is the future or the past, however you look at it. I didn't like that. I, yeah, come on now. This this hugging and that's it. You know, I, I, let's get some heat between these two. That I found offensive. No heat. I don't like that for, from the Afro's perspective. Don't let me be the actor. I'm Jim Brown. I'm gonna. I'm, I, I know Sergio wants to come in now. Jim Brown, famously Jim Brown, and Raquel Welch. Raquel Welch. God bless her. For those who believe in the theory, he she said he's not a femme actor. He put his tongue down my throat. He did, he did not understand that this is a film. There's a certain comportment for actors. He didn't have that. I wouldn't have had that circa 1967 with Raquel Welch. Hell no. So um, that was uncomfortable for me. And Carrie Fisher, poor Carrie Fisher, not quite 60 years of age, not quite 60, but the drugging and the drinking and the bipolar disorder she looks like a shadow of her former self. We understand people age, but but Harrison Ford, sure, Harrison Ford. I can tell when someone looks like they've had a, a drinking issue, a face looks sunken, uh, maybe some plastic work, plastic surgery work. She's had some problems. Uh, no heat between, not even not even vintage heat between um, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. When when, when we did see that. We did see that in the the first part, the first sequel. So anyway, let me bring in Serge, and then we'll chop it up about Hateful Eight, which I absolutely love. I have no hell. I played our cold opening has. I, I jumped the gun. The cold opening for this show has a Hateful Eight. So anyway, Serge, your feelings. Um, uh, Either one. First of all, first of all, before anything else, before anything else, some news came in. It happened four hours ago. There's a Chicago rapper by the name of King Louie. He is the guy who coined the phrase Chirac. 
in 2009. Four hours ago, he was shot. Is he killed? Was he killed or just shot? No, he's still alive, but he was shot in the head. Oh. And, I, and and he's in the hospital right now. I, I guess whatever. But but it's just ironic that the guy who actually is credited, who actually came up with the term Chirac, is a victim of Chirac himself. Wow. And this happened today, about four hours ago. Anyway, and your point about Carrie Fisher, I thought the same thing too. She looked in the movie. The years of booze and drugs have really taken a toll on her. You know. Uh, I thought Mark Hamill looked great. Yeah, I thought I he looked like you. himself. And he yeah, came from a I car accident. He... And he had a I car know, accident he, he in the a, 70s. Right, he was in a car accident, but he looked... I said, wow, man, he looks... Because I think pictures didn't look so great, but he looked great there. But anyway, um, Star Wars, it's okay. You know, I'm not I'm not Star Wars guy. I'm not, I'm not a, um, a Star Trek guy, but, you know, it was fine. I can see why people... Like it so much? I, I basically I think they like it because it wasn't directed by Luke. I think that's really what they were happy about. You know, I think when the news came out that J.J. Abrams was going to direct this new film, I think there, there was a big sigh of relief because people said, "Thank God, it's not going to be those last three Star Trek movies. I mean, last three Star Wars movies that we had to endure, as you said." Um, so I think that had a lot going to, into it. Yeah, it's basically a remake of the first one. It uses some of the same plot points, uh, some of the same um, storylines, images, tropes, you know. And for people of a certain age who want to relive and affect their childhood, it's okay, it's fine, you know, for them. Um, I was very entertained by it. I was amused by it. Uh, I suggest people read... Andre Seawood's article in Shadow and Act today, uh, where he discusses or analyzes Finn's character, which he calls hyper, um, oh gosh, um, hyper tokenism, as he calls it. And he really analyzes his character. Um, Because he had the same problem I had too, is that what happens to him in the last third of the movie? He's like active, he's vital, and then all of a sudden, he's relegated to the background, and the gawky right chick is the one who becomes the hero. And I said, well, wait a minute, where did I come from? You know? Well, you know, uh, well Sergio, it, it, it seems as if the powers that be can't help themselves, where we get this, we get this surface-level view of change-making. On the surface, we're seeing you know, a change, but when it comes down to your role, like to me, you know, this, he kind of, he's kind of fawning over this young woman and not really being about it. I didn't really get the passion. It's like we're friends, we're yeah, hugging. I know. Come on, you know, when he was laid out like that, she should have kissed, smacked him on the lips, man. It's yeah, I know. Like that I, I had like. the same That's thing, not too. real. I had the same thing, too. I was like, okay, you've been through this together. Like in any other movie, any other film, any other film, when you have two people who've been through an adventure, at some point, they're going to kiss. A man and a woman who are together, they bond and they kiss. Here they hug. Oh, I mean, come on, really? You're going to hug? You're right. Listen, I felt sorry for poor Mr. Harrison Ford because he also did his hugging thing, but that's because... And the the years didn't wear well on you, Carrie. That's what that was about. Yeah. I, I knew 
I, I saw that coming. I said, okay, this this isn't right. But this whole black black male, you know, putting him in a box and I, I hate this. I hate to use the word hyper tokenism because I want the young man to succeed. But it's like create create a real. I don't see that for Idris. At least when I see Idris, Idris gets down. Maybe because he's a little older, but this is that that makes me uncomfortable. And this is the future. Yeah. So, but there was a, there was an awkwardness there. I felt an awkwardness. Like, it, are you going to kill him? We're always awkward. Or when it comes, what? We're not awkward. What? We're not awkward when it comes to the alternative agenda. That somehow is ushering right along. Shout out! No. Shout out to agenda. Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. There's pillow biting. There's pillow biting in Mr. Bo- Mr. Robot. To- toe sucking. Whatever you want to call it. I'm using <laughs> euphemism. That, that goes. That ushers ahead. But a black man. Showing his sensuality with a woman of any ethnicity, but God forbid, if you believe in the theory, if it's a white woman, all of a sudden it gets a little, a little hairy. We don't know what to do. Let's make him friends, kiss him on the forehead. No, 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 no. In 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 a coma, I want a kiss on my lips and some tongue. That's me. Well, that, that, that would be my contract. It's like that scene. There's a there's one scene in the Jim Brown film when he's in bed with a black woman and a white woman. He's in bed yes. with a black woman and a white woman. You know, and yes. I go like, exactly. That's Jim Afro Brown. Afro nerd <laughs> productions, baby. Right. right. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> well, that wasn't so anyway. their agenda, guys. That's not their agenda. Their agenda was to empower women, and that's what it did. No, but what happened <laughs> is in the 21st century, and this, and this is. all respect, all respect. To alternative alternative cultures, but in the 21st century, you're gonna see a white man, black man, white man, in that bed, <laughs> <laughs> not an African oh, production. All <laughs> now, right. That's what, now ter- that that they seem to be more comfortable with, but the get down for the get down, we can't see that in the 20, 2016. In 2000, 2016. Uh, Sexuality between the races is in reality we see it every day. So why all of a sudden we would? But whatever. Serge, hold on. We got another call. I'm going to keep you on too. Four eight four. Four eight four. Welcome to the midweek. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. Nice. What's up? Hey fellas, this is uh, Q Storm. How are you? Oh, Q. Four eight four. All right. <laughs> there you go. Welcome, sir. Um, Welcome, sir. So. I, I am on board with all of you, with all of your criticisms. Um, when they got to that scene where Ray and Finn, uh, look, they, they look wise at each other, and I'm thinking, wow, they're really going to do it? They're going to do it. Why shouldn't they do it? And he gets a hug and, puts in a friend, and gets put in the friend zone. Now, what I find interesting, interesting is that in A New Hope and in Empire Strikes Back, when we had the white lead hero, he got kissed by his sister twice. <laughs> so what's interesting is that it's okay. It's okay to see. It's okay to see incest on screen, but interracial relationship, interracial kissing, and no, we're not ready for that. And it's funny you mentioned you mentioned Idris Elba. Even Idris had to close the deal off screen. If you remember Prometheus, oh, yeah. it's yeah, hinted. True. That he lays it down with Charlie Theron, but it's off screen. But listen, so, it was off screen, but she was supposed to be a what? It was hinted she was something else, though, with that. She was yeah, something else going on there. 
We still don't know what, what's up with. <laughs> and and, hey. and why didn't she run to the side as opposed to running forward? Well, she was oh, running. Got an issue. Come on. <laughs> no, seriously, if she had moved to the side, she would have escaped that, that escaped that thing. But she she took the running straight and got squished. So what you're what saying. you're suggesting is a white woman having even uh, implicated sex with a black man gets you killed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. You may be right. You might be on something. But here's, this, here's this, another this. thing. Here's another thing. Why was she always running faster than John Boyega? Isn't John Boyega black? Is he supposed to win that one? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and from Nigeria. <laughs> oh. Well, we knew we knew that? when he got landed on Jakku. And he was forced to, no one would give him water, and he was forced to drink out of a pig trough, an alien pig trough. I knew. I saw that, too. Something was rotten in Denmark. Yep. You're talking about Chirac. I guess BB-8 was on his NYPD or his Chicago PD. He got tased twice and accused now, of stealing now, a jacket. Now, mind you, mind you, see, this is how my mind works. Mind you, in Star Trek... With a actual gay actor, shout out to uh, what's the gentleman's name um, who plays Spock, the new Spock. Oh, uh, Zachary Quinto. Zachary Quinto. Yeah, Zachary Quinto. Yeah. Um, he he's kissing up on on um. Oh, I forget her name now. Ahura. Zoe. Zoe Saldana. Zoe. Yeah, Saldana. Saldana. Zoe Saldana. Even a gay man. A gay white man <laughs> is able to throw his tongue down a fine Afro-Latina oh. at will. Well, but, but that's at the, that, will. Come on, no problem. That's the, that's the slave shadow. That's the slave shadow mentality. It's okay for. I'm 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 getting my Black Panther on. It's okay for the white man to claim the black woman, but it can't go in reverse. <laughs> yeah, you, we we uh. see that, but you, you're doing this in the 21st century. When pillows are being bitten, I mean that agenda. That is, if anyone, listen, I love Mr. Robot, but there were some scenes in Mr. Robot, and emphasis on but. <laughs> so I hate to, I hate to go there. Anyway, Mr. Robot had some scenes for TV that were very graphic that I I, I couldn't ha- I couldn't handle it. I had to change the channel. <laughs> no, but you know what? No, you you know look. Poor you Q bring Storm, up a very valid point. Storm, Poor Q Storm had to opt out, which I did too. All of us opted out out of uh, Sensate on Netflix. Yep. yep. Had to. We too opted much. out. Too much. We too opted much. out. I I want and I want to see Sensate, but I I have a block with that. It's some stuff I can't. My sensibilities can't handle it. No, you, you, have, you bring up a very you bring up a very valid point, and something I have I have I have written about or talked about before is that you rarely see sensuality on the screen. You really you really do. Uh and I mean in movies or T V shows in T V show you got you got Empire where you have you have gay men kissing. Yeah. You know, you have that pre- you have that precious girl having sex on the screen. You know? <laughs> but listen it's hard you rarely see two attractive black people in a sexual way. You know, well, in case of women, you rarely see that. To be fair to J.J., J.J. Abrams actually tried that 
and as practice, it didn't work. He tried it with uh, what was it? It was a spy. It was a spy TV series. So oh, I, that, that that was between yeah. That oh, thing yeah. That came um, and went real fast. And, I know. I can't remember the name. Undercovers. Undercover. Is yes, that? I think it was yes. something like uh, that. Gotha and Boothu Gotha Raw. Was that her name? And yeah, right. That, no, uh, and the, uh, the, that the actual guy, husband right. and wife, wasn't it? The actual no, husband no, and wife. No, 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 no. It was the guy who was on Real Husbands of Hollywood. Um, I can't think of his name. He was born in Germany, I believe. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boris Kojo. Boris Kojo. Yes, yes. Right. And hey, the, the British, the British cute actress. Yeah, Goo Goo something. And Bartha Raw. Right. Hey, listen, Sergio. But in Creed, yeah. there's a relationship going on. Black man, black woman. In the movie Creed. Okay, right. Okay, you see, I had to. Say, I forgot about that. See, right, yeah. right. Okay, okay. But you see, I got. You got to think about it. You got to think about it. You know, <laughs> it doesn't come. You because okay, Creed, and then there's. You see, there you go. You're right. Well, look, you want you at, you want at, to see. Look at the popularity of Scandal. That that trope still rings. The president, white male president, still gets it in with one of our finer sisters. I mean, look at well, from what I understand. What I understand goes on in uh, how to get with, how to get away with murder. Viola Davis is involved in a relationship with a white woman. A white woman. I was like, what a what? Really? A white yeah. woman? Yeah. Wow. See, that's what I'm talking and they, about. Listen, I don't want to come <laughs> off like I'm, I'm some kind of hater. Everyone has their agenda, whatever. I want my agenda to be to be. What, what is wrong with my, the agenda of a black man? Doing the Jim Brown 2015 or 2016, <laughs> we can't that that agenda we can't seem to bring into. Matt, we saw more of that, Sergio. We saw more of that during our formative years uh, when the studios were in trouble and they needed black exploitation. Yeah. I, I, no, wait, why, why did we see it back then and we don't see it now? Guys, there is one. Let me, there is let one. Me, let, me, let me show you why I, why I'm so demented. I say that in quotes. <laughs> Judy Judy Pace, Pam Greer, uh, who are, who else? I mean, there's plenty of sisters uh, that were uh, attractive. Jane Kennedy. This I, t- is I tell you one. I tell you. I tell you another one. Rosalind Cash. Rosalind Cash. Gorgeous. Well, my, well, there's an example of that too. We saw uh, uh, Charlton Heston. He got that too. That's <laughs> right. Omega we, we, Man. That's right. Omega Man. I don't forget. I don't forget. Let's get credit to Marvel. Here's the thing, right? No, listen. An Omega Man, Charlton Heston had Rosalind Cash. Who did Will Smith have in I Am Legend? He had nobody. It's a remake. Nobody. Nobody. It's a remake. And nobody. He had his dog. He had his dog. (laughs) dog. Hey, guys. (laughs) Let's Let's give a little bit of credit to Marvel because we all saw Jessica Jones. And there was some mattress breaking. There was some mattress breaking in that. However, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it happened after the – I hate to go on my racial politics. It happened after the white woman kills the wife, the black woman, of the black man. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So there's still, po- there's still power out. play. Chu, did you see her super speed powers in that bedroom? Thank God. I, I, I did. I, I did. Yeah. And I, listen – 
sometimes sometimes the, the white power structure works for the black man. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know, hold, I haven't seen it. I have not seen it. But I got to see it now. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Wait, let me tell you something. I can imagine. I can imagine that folks felt uncomfortable with that, though, Q. Let's be honest. This man's walking around in a, in, in a bathrobe, and, and, and Jessica Jones just can't get enough, keeps on going back. The Afro nerd way. That is the problem. Is, and Q, and Q, I got I, I to gotta channel my, my Daryl B. The problem is, is that the black-white no relationship between where the man is black and the woman is white is born of a tragedy. So... You know, it's still a little suspect. Again, super speed <laughs> on top. I have no issues. I actually like that. Yeah, that was good. I don't care. Just coming in and knock down everything. Knock it down. Yeah. He knocked it down. Knock it down. Black, white, green, purple, alien, just come through, man. Well, <laughs> now, you're, now you're playing into the trope of the oversexed black man at any cost. Whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> listen, I'll just say this. I, 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 first of all, because of, of how Netflix, how the product that they have, the, their products, I thought that their relationship actually made sense. I even spoke to the captain about this behind the scenes. I said, you know, they, they, they were tortured souls, both of them. They, 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 were, they had problems, they had issues. And I thought that they were both superpowered and the acting was next level. I thought that that, that, that relationship made sense. It's this Finn relationship with, with, with that character, the Daisy uh, actress, that the, maybe it's because of the youth of the two, but they're, they're awkward. It's a PG kind of format. Uh, I, I just thought, I thought it, is, it didn't ring true to me. It's, it was a problem. And it's always a problem when it comes to black men interacting with any kind of woman, but it's the white woman first and then everybody else underneath that, even with his own woman, white the white power structure has, puts awkwardness with you relating with your own kind. The whole thing's messed up. All right, in the quickly, 21st I wanna, century. <clears throat> but I want to talk about Hathor Eight because I have yeah, seen let's that. Yeah, that. right, right, right. um, I I am mixed about it. I'm I'm very oh. mixed about it. I actually I am seeing it again sometime again next week. This time mm-hmm. on a 70 millimeter screen. Um, I. You know, it's a replay of a lot of things he's done before. I think it's rather perverse that he takes a process, Ultra Panavision, that has been used in 50 years and concentrated it mainly in a room. Um, uh, this It's very funny. I like the performances, but I think it gets really ugly at times. I think it gets terribly ugly at times. And he lays That's it on so That's thick. Him. No, but this time it's 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 almost like unnecessary. You know, it's just like, how far can I really push the envelope? How far can I get beyond that? Like poor um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, who hasn't been in a film in years. This is like her big comeback. Oh, uh, yes. What, go, what she goes through, I go like, Jesus Christ, how more can you do this? And then there are, there. I don't want to give it away, but there are two other women. And I go like, gee, that's oh, yeah. kind of cruel. Yeah, that's it was pretty cruel. bad. Yeah, and then and then um, uh, and then the ending leaves me with an aftertaste. I just like, oh, I thought you were gonna end it. It's oh. a bizarre movie. There's stuff I like in it, and like I said, it's a film I want to see again. It's it's gotten really mixed reviews. Some people love it. Uh, I've read some reviews that some people really hate it. 
you know, that's what he wants. He wants to push the envelope. Uh, I don't like it as much as Django. I don't think it's even close. I don't like it as much as Jackie Brown. I don't like it as much as um, Pulp Fiction. Uh, it has elements there. Um, but as a whole, I think it's, I don't want to call it a mess, but it's problematic. Let me put it that way. The film I What's really it? love, very quickly, the film I really, really love is The Relevant. I think that's oh. extraordinary. I think it's the best film I've seen this year. It's The Relevant. It's Knockout. That's a long the movie. Exchange be- <laughs> the exchange between Sam Jackson and Bruce Dern, the great Bruce Dern, Yeah. looking at the fright in his eyes based on the monologue of Sam Jackson is worth the price of admission. What yeah, he I says mean, right. the, about what was done to his son, and not to give too much away. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, when he's he trying to go him. He's trying to go him. Right. Hold on, Serge. When he goes into that, that frightened look on Bruce Dern's face is that might make up for my disdain for Finn not being able to have intimacies with that character, with the character in Star Wars. That's the look well, I want to see. Well, because, because <laughs> that 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 monologue is also darkly humorous. Yeah. You know. Because I'm laughing at the same time I'm being like chilled about what he's saying, you know. Emphasis on the word um, emphasis on the word emphasis on the word dingus. Right. Which I haven't right. heard in right. years. Right. Black dingus. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Well, anyway. I love that movie. And he said even even the actor who was from a uh, great actor, he was from Django, he was from Shield. He played Shane and yeah, Shield. Yeah, uh, 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 Walton, Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins, right. Goggins. Mr. Goggins, when he tells, when he says, that in over there, that in over there, which I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't help it. Even, <laughs> even he's the lone white male that said the N-word <laughs> where I was like, okay, that in over there. I said, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. But you know what? Here's the thing. You know, and I, I maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I swear yes, to God, I think he Black did that dingus. stuff. In, Academy Awards. I, I, Academy Awards. I think, Black Dingus. No, I think, I may be reading too much into it, but I think he did that stuff in the movie, Tarantino. He did that in the movie to, like, shove the knife into Spike Lee. I think he does it to really I agree him, with that. To get I him agree angry. with that. Right, because... Because let me let me put it to you this way. First of all, Spike Lee has used the N word too in many of his movies, so he can't turn around and tell Tarantino you can't use it. Oh, okay, fine. You've done it too. The other thing is that Tarantino is operating from a place of freedom. What I mean by that is that he is this filmmaker who has made every film for one studio. They will give him anything he wants to do. He can make any film he wants to make. Right, very few filmmakers have that kind of power. Very few, right? And I mean, look, even James Cameron is right now working on Avatar two. He can't do anything else, but he can well, do anything. We only have and, a few moments remaining, uh, Serge. But I'll say this oh. much: the unfortunate part here is that we are dealing with uh, Tarantino being white, and the irony is he's a white man that can actually do a black film. Well, you that's think that's what's the going point. on here. No, no, you think, you think that's the point. Because if a black man, if a black man did that kind of for, a film, 
black folks and white folks would not be able to deal with it. They wouldn't look, They wouldn't go to it. But a white man he, doing it with black sensibility, that's what it is. I mean, he is doing things. When he talks about the exchange I played where he says, I have this Lincoln letter to, to, to make white people feel comfortable, that's a white man writing that. That is frightening, but he gets yeah, away with see, it. You see, but that's the point I was I was leading to make is that Spike Lee knows that he cannot make that kind of movie. I think he wishes he could, but he can't. I guarantee you, Spike wish he had made Django. He he may have criticized the film and put it down. I guarantee you, he thinks to myself, "Damn, I wish I had the power and the clout to make a movie like that." All right. Well, on that note, on that note, we will reconvene after Christmas. Gentlemen, enjoy your holidays. It's always a pleasure doing this show. Uh, I think we'll reconvene on this. I, we got to hear what the, what the uncanny has to say about Star Wars. Uh, I would. I don't know what he's going. He probably loves Star Wars, uh, but we'll reconvene on Saturday, 6 p.m. Folks, it's been real. This is Nat King Cole. All I want for Christmas, black dingus. <laughs> anyway, not me. <laughs> anyway, it's been real. Saturday, 6 p.m. Appreciate it. I could only have my two front teeth, then I could wish you Merry Christmas. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth, my two front teeth, my two front teeth. Gee, if I could only have my two front teeth, then I could wish you Merry Christmas. Christmas is my...